Welcome to the UMA 180 Win Podcast. Thanks for joining. Today, we have a special guest, Ralph Clark, Director of the Northwest Baptist Association. If starting a nonprofit, growing a nonprofit uh, is top of mind for you, you're going to want to listen to this webcast. We have uh, a great conversation coming, uh, coming up ahead as it relates to tips and thoughts uh, from Ralph. Welcome, Ralph. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you today. Uh, we are an association made up of 65 individual churches uh, that are loosely connected to us in that it is a completely voluntary uh, operation where people join us uh, with a common belief system, and yet each of them are operating uh, completely in an autonomous way. And we're just simply here to facilitate and to help them to do together what uh, none of them can do uh, individually. And uh, it, it helps us to be able to be able to stay in uh, close communication with them and uh, encouraging them along the way. So what, what, what does your nonprofit actually do as it relates to, you know, keeping those uh, organizations connected how is how is your organization helping uh, those you know the, that community as well as others? Yeah, it's um, unlike some nonprofits where you would uh, join the nonprofit and there may be uh, some legal connection in some way. Uh, in uh, we're Baptist, so in Baptist life, it's very mm-hmm. much a, a an autonomous uh, relationship. Uh, and each of these churches have volunteered uh, themselves to join us for the common work of reaching the world with the message that uh, we have uh, of the gospel and sharing that around the world. So I am an associational missionary. Uh, the, the very two words put together sort of tells the story of what I do in my connection with Northwest Baptist Association. I'm helping these churches to be on mission, both locally in their communities and uh, also around the world as they decide to join us uh, as we go out from this place and work together to do uh, a common work uh, that expands our borders uh, in such a way that uh, none of us would be able to touch this many people individually. So, you know, for, for the listeners that are thinking about a nonprofit that uh, no matter whom they are looking to help, when you thought about this nonprofit and the steps that you needed to go to to establish it, and I understand the nonprofit's been around actually for nearly a couple hundred years, which is amazing, yeah. but in the seat that you are sitting in as chair of this association and, you know, to be a benefit for our listeners in terms of the nonprofits that they are thinking about, what are some of the things that they need to think about in terms of either establishing it, filing for nonprofit status, uh, how they go about growing that nonprofit? How do you, you know, like for, for, for myself as an example, if I wanted to start a nonprofit today, it's like, how do I do that? Can you share a little bit about your experience there, Ralph? Sure. Um all nonprofits have to file, of course, the correct paperwork to get their 501c3 established. Uh, each of our individual congregations have 
done that, but by belonging to our organization and belonging to Northwest Baptist Association, we were able to file an umbrella with the IRS that allowed each of those organizations then uh, when I came here in 1999, for example, there were 42 churches that were a part of this association. Mm-hmm. Today, there are 65. Uh, of those that have joined our association, none of them have had to go through the legal hoops and and jumping through all of the process of getting all of those IRS documents established uh, to become 501c3s because we did that work. Uh, in advance, and we have a letter from the IRS that allows them to join under us, and we are the we're the umbrella that has the condition that uh, we're a nonprofit, and when you join us, all of the rights appertaining thereunto belong to you as well as a five hundred one c three. So we were able to save each of our churches tons of money that would have mm-hmm. been uh, invested in legal processes and uh, the time that was saved, not having to fill out all of these documents and everything. It's simp- it was simply just joining us, gave them the advantage of automatically being covered as a 501c3. Uh, in doing so, uh, that allowed them to immediately begin the work, of course, to receive funds into uh, their individual churches, because like all nonprofits, uh, we are basically setting, uh, waiting for those who are going to be willing to give to us so that we can do the work. Mm-hmm. And, um, with the 501c3 in place, that leaves the tax exemptions in place where that uh, we can use buildings and, and facilities and resources uh, to be able to do the greater work. And in terms of, uh, this this past year and a half with COVID, what are some of the challenges that you've faced um, and and had to overcome to keep your association, your nonprofit going? Uh, one of the things has been helping uh, the churches that are a part of the Northwest Baptist Association to move to digital giving, mm-hmm. to begin to learn the process that uh, that they would need to have in place so that they would continue to be able to receive from the people that belong to their local church, uh, those giving and the, the givings and the, the tithes and the offerings that come in on a regular basis, uh, where they had been giving in person. Uh, now we went to virtual services, uh, either from a parking lot where cars were just in the parking lot listening mm-hmm. to a pastor preach. Uh, well, you just don't walk around from car to car uh, receiving an offering. Uh, so a lot of our churches in this past year and a half have made this move to digital giving so that it's just a process where members can go online. And incredibly, uh, during this year and a half of COVID, uh, the the gifts to these organizations have increased uh, compared to what they were before. And pastor after pastor has reported to me, uh, my giving has increased uh, either because people were sensitive to the fact 
that because of COVID, there was a greater need in ministering to the community, Mm -hmm. but also just the fact that we've grown accustomed to not carrying cash. (laughs) And so being able to use a credit card or a debit card to be able to give to an organization has now made uh, been made simple through this process. That's uh, that's great, and I think I think you also mentioned before you just in terms of um, previous or pre-COVID, um, there were physical locations that you actually were still supporting, and and that's also changed for you as well. Is that right? It has for our association, uh, where we used to maintain a building. Uh, we had grounds. Uh, people tended to come to us uh, to the office setting. Meetings were held there. Uh, and we had already begun making this process of moving away from a physical structure uh, to more virtual settings uh, prior to COVID coming. So we were ahead of the curve, and that was a very wonderful thing for us. Uh, because all of this was already in process for us. All we had to do was just reach out to our uh, congregations and say, we're here for you. You can still reach us. Uh, it's very easy for you to, uh, to pick up the phone. Uh, you still call the original number that you used to call at a physical office, uh, but it's going to ring on our cell phones. And uh, each of us that are a part of the associational staff uh, we're still very connected, uh, and we don't have the overhead anymore of a physical building uh, that we're having to maintain. If if you had to give someone who wants to start a nonprofit, you know, three to three to five tips, you know, going going backwards a little bit in terms of a previous question, in terms of starting a nonprofit. What what are some of the things that someone needs to think about? Um, you know, in, in one sense, certainly writing your mission or vision statement is important, right? But, but I feel like some of those things are sort of mechanical in a way where inherently sometimes you have that mission and vision statement because it's part of who you are. It's, it's your, you know, your, your, it's your passion that now you're trying to form formalize into a nonprofit, but you know, in, in terms of then taking that passion and transforming it into something else, you know, when you think about the steps that you've gone through, what are some of the tips that you would suggest to somebody that's actually wanting to start a nonprofit? The very first thing that comes to mind is a phrase that I created when we began to uh, get congregations to come together and mm-hmm to join on mission efforts. Uh, It's two words that are actually uh, a bit of an oxymoron when you put them together, uh, but they they define what you have to do as a nonprofit. And those two words are rigidly flexible. Uh, Those two words don't even go together. Uh, When you think of something rigid, it's unmovable. Uh, It's not going to change easily. But we decided that there was going to be a base foundation and every nonprofit has to have a base foundation. There has to be some value system that you're going to decide these are our values. We're never going to depart from these values. That's the foundation. Uh, 
Now we're going to build upon that foundation and that's where the flexibility comes in. Uh, we may be in the process of building upon that set of values and find out, whoa, wait a minute, we're building too small here or we're building too large or perhaps uh, we're going to need to, to add some new windows to this structure so people can see into us uh, more easily. Uh, we, we've had one door and what we really need is two doors, uh, because we need more access to the organization. So the rigid part of that statement comes from your base values. Those will never change. Uh, but the flexibility comes in when you begin to build upon that and you continually, uh, assess, uh, who those are that are becoming part of you. And you're willing to make those incremental changes that are necessary to keep uh, the uh, the people that are a part of your organization connected to you. Uh, when when people begin to feel that they're disenfranchised, even though they may have the same set of values that you have, but you're no longer meeting their their individual needs, uh, that's when you begin to see. Uh, the back door of the structure swing open mm -hmm. and uh, you start having the departures. That's, and that's one of the very difficult thing for nonprofits to maintain. Uh, you can get, all, get a good head of steam and have a good base of people that are connected. Uh, and then if you don't watch it closely, uh, suddenly folks begin to drift away. And uh, you have to constantly be looking and saying, what is it going to take for us to continue to maintain and meet the needs? It's, it's the age-old question that any salesman uh, uh, that has his uh, stuff lined up, he knows that he can sell anything as long as you find out what the other person's need is and meet it. Right, right. You know, you bring up an interesting point there as it relates to the flexibility piece, um, which relates to the people part. Right. Yes. The people part um, to any business or to any nonprofit is so important. Right. Um, finding and and retaining them, um, but then also keeping them passionate about the vision. And what would be your what would be your words of wisdom as it relates to hiring for nonprofits and, you know, hiring either direct employees of the nonprofit or finding volunteers? Yes, and those are uh, those are two distinctly different animals. Uh, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, when you when you hire someone, uh, you get to write the the job description. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to say if you're going to come to work for us, uh, these are the items that we expect you to fulfill in the process. <clears throat> Volunteers, however, uh, they can pick up their lunch pail and go home anytime they want to. And uh, so, uh, and you just have to realize that you have to realize that volunteers come in uh, with their own expectations. Uh, they come in with their own ideas. Uh, you're going to have to listen to those ideas. And yet somewhere in the process of uh, retaining that, that group of volunteers, you listen well, uh, you take their advice and sometimes you have to help them to understand 
That is a wonderful idea. And we may do that tomorrow, but not today uh, because (laughs) we're on a different path right now. But we're not discounting what you have to say. Uh, Those that are hired, on the other hand, uh, they join you understanding fully, not only what today looks like, but what the long term picture of the organization is. Uh, What are we hoping to um, to gain by moving in this direction? What are the metrics by which we can measure that we're actually progressing along uh, and, and growing this, this organization. Uh, is it, is it just people that we've added? Uh, if that's the case, we'll just do a mailing list and we'll just count everyone on our mailing list as a member. Uh, and, and that's not true. Uh, well, perhaps we can just let money be our, our metric. And so we can just find some great, huge donors uh, that give a whole lot of money in big chunks but there's no regular income coming in to the process. And so nonprofits uh, really need a steady, regular group of individuals who have fully bought in, uh, who I like to use the term uh, in this sense, they're the early adopters Mm -hmm. who are always willing to get on board and ride with you through the storms and everything else. And they're the late adopters and they are the people who say, I'm going to watch this for a while and I'm going to see where this ship is going. And uh, if if I see it's going in the right direction and the captain seems to have a a good head about him and uh, everything's working well, then I'm willing to get on board as long as uh, everything's well established. So uh, you mentioned earlier that this association is now over 175 years old, uh, began as three little churches that decided they would come together and, and do a common work together many, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. But the idea of association, as far as in, in, in my setting, goes back over 300 years. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back uh, into Pennsylvania, where the first group of churches got together and said, guys, we can do this better together than we would ever be able to do it individually. You know, uh, one of the other uh, components to growing a business or a nonprofit relates to driving awareness of, of, that, uh, of that endeavor. And at least in terms of some of the nonprofits that I've seen out there, they, they try to be part of the community and they, part, they try to be included in community events or whatnot. Um, what would your advice be in terms of, you know, to that new nonprofit person that's starting, the, that's starting that organization uh, in terms of how they can get the word out? as it relates to their nonprofit, either, either by, you know, approaching local community uh, government in terms of, you know, perhaps a local festival that's going on or anything that's out there that extends into the community, what would your advice be there? Well, there's an acronym that I learned many, many years ago, uh, two actually, uh, that will, will help any nonprofit. 
The first one is the, the little acronym KISS. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what it stands for. Keep it simple, stupid. And that's <laughs> that's the main ingredient is that you keep it very, very simple. Sometimes we're, we're caught up in the largeness of society uh, that every year the fireworks display has to be larger than last year's. Uh, the, the theme park has to always be adding a new ride, uh, to keep people coming back. And that's not the way for a nonprofit. Uh, nonprofits need to keep it simple. And if you keep it simple, you, you find out how that you can best be an available asset to your community, that the community knows that that you are there for them, whether that be a government agency that needs your assistance, perhaps uh, like we have a disaster relief program where that we go in when there are disasters and we're there ready to help to provide food. Uh, we have chainsaw crews that go in to, mm-hmm. to cut trees and all of that. We have mud out units that go in when there's flooding uh, to drag mud out of homes and cut sheetrock away out of homes that have been flooded. Those are the simple things that are never going to make the headlines. Uh, you're never going to be front page uh, in the newspaper. You just know that you're doing it. The other is the word help and that uh, you always remember that people care about three things. They care about their home. That's the H. Mm-hmm. They, care about, they care about their employment and they care about their loved ones. Mm. And if you show that you care about their home, what makes up their family, that you care about them having good employment, being able to work, being able to provide for their families, and that you really care for their loved ones. And pretty much the the most important part of that is to care for their aged and care for their children. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, whatever your P of that help, your plan is, they will be willing to walk with you in that. So kiss and help. Remember those two (laughs) words and you'll be all right. I love it, Ralph. You're the king of acronyms here. <laughs> hey, and you know, it, it, it works for me and it makes it easy for me to remember what, what, my, what my job is. Right, right, right. Well, um, as far as, you know, what you've delivered here today, uh, thank you for your time, number one. Um, a lot of helpful tips um, you know, I think the one that sticks out for me is in relation to remembering if you are a nonprofit um, and you do have, um, you know, financial supporters, that you are only a steward of that. Yes. Um, and I think that's I think that's something that I think um, uh, would resonate uh, with our listeners. Number one. Number two, uh, just as it relates to, you know, this this last piece as well. Right. Where. um I think the word empathy gets used overused a lot, but in terms of that acronym of help, if you can really empathize, you know, with the people you're interacting with at that level, with those, you know, three components, it really does enable you to show how much you do care about them. Right. That's so, right. 
That's yeah. right. Yeah. If, if people don't know that you care, they don't care what you have to share. Right. That's that so is true. Immaterial to them until yeah. they know that you care for them. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, any final thoughts or words as it relates to, you know, uh, our listeners in terms of, uh, again, uh, potentially who you're talking to are folks that are looking to start their own nonprofits or to grow their own nonprofits. Any final thoughts here? I would, I would just summarize by saying never let, your, never let your system of values be deteriorated. No matter what happens above that, never allow the foundation to be destroyed. Uh, think that out. Process that. Uh, make sure that the values that you decide that are going to be the values that that reflect your nonprofit are true to you. That is something that you're going to be able to live out. Uh, most most mission statements and vision statements um, are are really good material to read if you can't get to sleep. And so you read that and you find yourself going to sleep very, very quickly. Uh, that's not what you want to happen in your nonprofit. You want there to be values that can be lived out on a daily basis in such a way that people see that and they get excited and they buy into that uh, very early on. Uh, the beginning of your nonprofit, uh, you only get to do it right once when you're when you're beginning a nonprofit mm -hmm. uh, for profits, they can sort of uh, shift gears and, and you know, they can, they can yep. sell some more stock or whatever, you know, to yep. get themselves back on an even keel again. Nonprofits really have one opportunity to do it right. And it needs to be done early. So think it through. Well, get all of your ducks in a row, get that foundational, uh, truth there for yourself, get those values in place and then make the adjustments as you build up from there and, uh, you'll succeed. You know, I come from, uh, 40 years of experience of dealing with nonprofits, 22 in this position. And, um, and I, I hope that what I will be able to do is finish out these days uh, on the high horse of integrity and that uh, at the end of it all, when, when I'm the cowboy that's riding off into the sunset with the big, tall white hat upon my head, uh, <laughs> I'll be the one that folks will say he came into our town and made it better for being here. That's awesome, Ralph. That's awesome, Ralph. Well, thank you again for doing this. And um, if you need anything, just let me know. 